Today's episode is on testing and the future of Aotearoa's COVID-19 testing. I'm here with my co-host Tui Gilling. Kia ora Tui. Oh, kia ora e te whanau. Ko Tui Gilling, toko ingoa, ko te whanaua, apanui, te iwi. Mauri ora. Tokorua nga kai kōrero i te rānei. Professor Dr. Paparangi Reid. Paparangi is Tumuaki and Head of Department of Māori Health at the Faculty of Medical and Health Sciences, the University of Auckland, and co-leader of Te Ropu Whakakaupapa Urutā, the Māori Pandemic Response Group. Paparangi's focus is on analysing disparities between Indigenous and non-Indigenous citizens as a means of monitoring government, the government's commitment to tinoranga tiratanga. We're also here with Associate Professor Joe Stanton from Otago University. Joe is one of New Zealand's experts in high-throughput sequencing technologies and has a focus on infectious disease, reproduction, the microbiome, anthropology, and forensics. Tēnā kōrua, no mai piki mai ki te pūtahi. Tēnā koe. Thank so, you. Uh, kia ora, Professor Paparangi, no hea koe. Uh, tēnā koe. Uh... Uh, no te raroa hau, no, no mitimiti tōku pāpa i te e hokianga, no reira, tēnā koe. No inarangi tōku māma. Now, kia ora, thank you, Paparangi. And kia ora, Joe, could you just give us a little bit of a background of where you're from and uh, your background? Hi, I'm originally from Australia, but now I live permanently in New Zealand and I'm a passport carrier now, so I'm very proud of that. Um, I grew up near Sydney and I've I first came to New Zealand for a one-year postdoc after my studies, and I've never left. I love the place. Neida, I think. So my first question today is about Aotearoa's current testing. What are the pros and cons of the current test and the way the test itself, the way it's administered, or the way it's been managed or made available to our hokainga, our whanau, and our communities? First of all, I think that we have an appropriate uh test and the level of testing that's appropriate for our um, nation at the moment. We um, had to get up to speed with testing. We had to uh, buy more tests, get more reagents to be able to develop the testing program that we and get more labs up to speed before we got the testing program that we do have now. We now test symptomatic people, uh, patients who have symptoms, who we're concerned about diagnosing whether or not they've got COVID. And then we test people who don't have symptoms, but those who might be contacts of cases. So are they carrying the virus? And we want to make sure about uh, what we need to do with them. And then we are also testing other asymptomatic or non-people without symptoms. Firstly, people in high risk roles, maybe the health workers or in the front line or at the borders somehow. And we also are doing some, so they've got a high risk of getting COVID if it pops up. And then we're also doing some surveillance testing. So testing in communities to see if there's any bubbling away out there that are not popping up yet. So we're doing testing of people with symptoms and then testing of people around them testing of people who are in high-risk situations, and then we are doing some surveillance of communities, and each of them are being tested for different reasons. Oh, kia ora, mm-hmm. thank you. And Joe, if you, any thoughts? Uh, yes, I, I agree with, with all of that. I mean, it's been um, 
quite uh, an undertaking to scale up the amount of testing, but New Zealand's blessed with some amazingly skilled um, diagnostic experts and clinicians. And we've been able to do that very effectively. Um, and I think that's why we, we are leading the world in our ability to be able to apply these tests in volume and also um, where they're needed. Uh, the asymptomatic testing, the testing of clusters, um, the random testing and surveillance. I think we're doing that well. Um, and the other thing is that we're constantly um, looking at our processes and trying to improve them. So we, we, the, we, we're getting better um, as this goes on. So yes, I think, I think um, Aotearoa's testing regimes and our ability to, to rise to this challenge is, is excellent. Very good. Um, could you just tell us why Aotearoa chose that type of test? Because I understand around the world there's lots of different tests and what was the what were the reasons behind the choice in our country? I think there's a bit of confusion. Um, we're basically following there the, like there are two test options. We've got what's called a molecular test, which is looking for the virus itself. And this is the test that is the early indicator of infection. So the first thing that a person will present is the virus. The virus is there and we detect the virus. That's called, um, we're looking specifically for the virus's genetic material when we're doing that test. Uh, for those who, who like technical terms, we're looking for its RNA. There's another type of test, um, which is based on serology and looking for antibodies. Now, an antibody test looks for your own body's reaction to the virus. And if you think about it, that test can only be used after you've been infected for a while and your body has started to fight off the virus. So it's not an early indicator of infection. Um, it also can actually tell whether people have had the virus and got better because the antibodies that you make to fight off the virus, um, which is what these tests are looking for, um, will hang around in your blood for a long time. So it's not that it's one or the other, it's a combination of two different types of tests. In the very, very early phases, you need to look for the virus itself. An antibody test will not work. Um, but as the infection goes on, and as you get better and move out to the community, an antibody test will either say, you're getting a response to the virus and you're fighting it off, or you've had the virus and you've recovered. Mm -hmm. So these tests are used in very different ways. So that's why there are two tests. And actually that's why we need both of them. We need both tests. Awesome. So does that, that answer the question? I don't have anything to add. I think that's very clear. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I had a question on this uh, asymptomatic uh, testing and the case definition. I was wondering if there's a, an easy way to uh, use to describe asymptomatic testing uh, to some of us who are getting not so familiar with these terms. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. This, the word asymptomatic. So we've talked about testing on people with symptoms mm. and asymptomatic means people testing people who don't have symptoms. 
Okay. And we've outlined three reasons for doing that. One, they're a close contact right. of someone who ha has been diagnosed with COVID. Um, or they're in an at-risk role. So they're in a, a role where they're likely to come in contact with it more than others. And the third one is if we're just trying to do some surveillance about anything else happening in the community. Kia ora, mm. thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, I've just I've got a partai for both of you. Um, as we go down levels and New Zealand opens up, you know, there's a real encouragement for us all to go out into the regions or other parts of the country um, to help build the economy. Do you think that we need to do some broader asymptomatic testing with a broader, I don't know if sample is the right word, rather than keeping within, I guess, the definition of surveillance testing or close contacts? What, what's your views on that? Um, there's no doubt that um, um, so, so surveillance is what's happening in the general population. And ideally, it, it should be random or it should be purposeful in what are we doing. At the moment in um, Uruta, we're getting quite a few um, people saying, oh, should I get all the teachers at my school or all the kohanga kids to be tested and stuff like that. We, we don't think it should necessarily be driven by employers or uh, people like that. We think that we should work with, um, uh, well, I know the uh, Ministry of Health is working with DHBs and asking DHBs, how sure are you that your population and its different parts of the population are covered adequately with surveillance testing. So they're doing some things called, oh, they've got different flash names for it, sentinel testing and different types. So um, all DHBs are having a look and saying, have they covered the rural aspects of their um, communities, the urban aspects, the rich, the poor, the Māori, Pacific, Pākehā, they are being asked to analyse if they have looked at those groups and had an adequate length of um, adequate amount of testing in those groups. And I noticed today on um, uh, Dr. Bloomfield was talking today and saying they expect to continue doing several thousand more surveillance testing in the weeks ahead to mm -hmm. make sure that we are still covered as we continue in level two and consider what it might mean to possibly go in level three, to be really um, sure in ourselves as scientists, but also to help the public become sure that we are certain and uh, confident that we have not got any um, unseen community transfer out there happening. Yeah, yeah. So no, we, we need to build up more testing to give it a very clear picture of what the, um, uh, the rates of infection are across the country. Um, so yes, more testing will help that. Um, and so, um, Joe, can I ask you? Yeah, yeah uh, sure. Do, do you, um, you know, when you're talking before about the two different types of testing, at the moment, we're mainly using the one, the nose one, to have a look and see if the virus is there. Yes. Do you think there will, it's a time now, or will it be a time later when we should change to the other type of antibody testing? And is that the blood test? Yes, the antibody testing is a blood test. 
Um, and I think that both tests um, need to be maintained because they're used in different ways. But I think for the, the surveillance test, um, once we have really good quality antibody tests that are very reliable, um, and there's not many of those available at the moment because um, they're rapidly being developed. I mean, I think that will probably be the go-to test to get a really good picture of the community because then you're looking for not only people who are actively infected, but you're also looking for people who've had it. And it's kind of like looking at where the virus has been. I mean, these people may have been in asymptomatic when they had COVID, so they didn't know they were sick. Um, but you can see that they've had it and they've recovered from it. And so it gives us a picture of where this virus has got to in our community. And I think that will be the antibody test will be best for that. Well, it will have to be that because once you've recovered from COVID, you're no longer carrying active virus. So a molecular test, which is the one you use with the nose swabs, that won't give you a positive result. That won't tell you because the virus is now gone. But the antibody test, because your body has made those antibodies, um, basically it will tell you that, yes, I was infected, but now I'm better. So, um, so that's the way, that's what I mean. They're, they're two tools that are going to give us answers to two, um, two questions that we need to know. Can I just add something? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of um, Māori communities are wanting Mm -hmm. or Māori and community are, are wanting a test for reassurance mm -hmm. for themselves or for their whānau who might, there might be someone who has a health vulnerability in their whānau or for their, um, because they teach at the kōhanga or for some mm -hmm. reason people are wanting the reassurance that mm -hmm. they don't have COVID. Yeah. But I think that um, a test isn't a perfect guarantee or a test no. isn't a passport. No. And because it's a point in time yeah. uh, mm -hmm. for this nasal um, test. And even if you do have COVID, it's not going to always be positive very early and later. So mm -hmm. you will get this false negatives. And um, we've seen that in some of the data. Mm -hmm. But very rarely you will also get a, a false positive, which mm -hmm. means you get a positive test result, but you don't actually have it. Yeah. It's just an idiosyncrasy. It's just something happens that not every test is 100%. Yes. Um, and what happens if I get a positive and I'm not positive, mm -hmm. but it causes me the school I go to has to shut down, the mm -hmm. business I run has to shut down. So there's big consequences mm. for testing when it's not really needed. Well, yeah. it's only wanted for reassurance. So yeah. we have to be able to be um, um, confident mm -hmm. that the work that we're doing in monitoring COVID in amongst us is um, sufficient to make us comfortable that we don't have it running amok in our communities and wrecking havoc. So mm -hmm. we have to get that balance right. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a bit of a rave, but does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, it, it is definitely a, a question of balance. It's too much testing mm. is almost as bad as not enough testing. So you do have to get the right balance. Um, you, there are snapshots in time. So I might be fine today, but tomorrow I go out and catch it. 
um, the test is is negative today, but it's it's tomorrow that I need to know the answers. That, those sorts of things. Um, so yes, we do have to listen to the experts and um, basically get that balance right of testing. Too much is bad. Not enough is bad. We need to get just the right amount. Yeah, killed it. One of the issues uh, which is appearing is this notion of a second wave or even a third wave. Mm -hmm. And so the testing is a mechanism to help us mm. obviously uh, suppress these second waves. So, uh, Joe, I wanted to talk to your research that's coming out of yep. Otago. Could yep. you give us uh, some of the some ideas about the new kind of testing that uh, you're looking at and your team is looking at? Okay, so my team um, specializes in making point-of-care diagnostics devices. So we recognized quite a few years ago that um, molecular testing, that's the one that would look directly for the virus, um, is incredibly powerful if you can get it closer to where um, the results are needed. We can, we can basically, um, at the moment, if you want to do these tests, you take a sample. It then has to go to a central laboratory where it's tested, and then it gets sent, the result gets sent back. If you're inside the hospital, that can be done within a couple of hours. But if you're in a remote community, that can take days. So basically you can take a test, it gets sent to a central laboratory, it gets tested the same as everybody else's tests, but then it takes time for that information to go back. So you've got this delay if we could get rid of that delay by putting the testing right where it's needed, closer to the person being tested or closer to um, the patient, it gets rid of that delay and you, you then start to open up a whole series of other opportunities. So if someone is positive, rather than waiting three days to find that out, they, they know within an hour or two and we can immediately say, okay, you've got COVID, so you need to be quarantined or we need to handle you a certain way. Um, or we can actually tell them, no, you don't have it. You've got the flu, so you need to go home and take care of yourself this way. So it means that from the patient's point of view, they get an answer very quickly and they can be reassured. Mm -hmm. Even if, you, if they do have COVID, they then at least know, okay, I know what to do, to do now. I know what, what my response needs to be. They're not held in limbo. From a public health point of view, it means that there isn't that three-day lag where somebody's again out in the community and in those three days they've infected more people. So by trying to get our testing closer to where it's actually needed, um, we can affect a whole lot of um, positive outcomes, I think. Now, the thing about the molecular tests, though, is that they're usually done in laboratories, which have a lot of um, equipment, and they're usually done by people who are highly skilled, trained, because it's quite easy to get them wrong um, and to get what's called a false positive or a false negative if you don't run them properly. So that's been the challenge of my team is how do we get these complex tests and put them in a form 
where we can take them to a first responder, somebody who's not a molecular biologist, and get them to be able to use them confidently without having this risk of um, contamination happening. Um, and so that's, that's where our efforts been. So we've just received some funding from government to be able to take some of our technologies that we've developed and to basically bring them closer to where they're needed. We're not quite at the point where we have our magic device, which is what we're trying, what, what we're actually making, um, to be able to put it into somebody's home or put it into the doctor's office and say, okay, you can run a molecular test on this. We're not quite there, but we can get much closer. So maybe set up um, these technologies so they're in a clinic um, in a remote region. Um, so we don't have so much time of the sample having to go right into a, a, an urban centre and then out again with all those delays. So really that's the challenge that my team has set itself. And with the COVID response, we're saying, okay, we can help here. We can at least get closer to where these answers are needed. Mm. Mm. Kia ora, Paparangi, any? Um, I, I think those are um, fantastic um, a progress that we are able to make in the face of COVID. But I do have to say that if um, a clinician sees someone who has got symptoms, um, they are put into quarantine until proven otherwise <laughs> at the moment. So uh, hopefully they're not out infecting people for several no. days before they um, uh, before the test results come back. So I did want to clarify that at the moment, clinicians are treating people with symptoms as positive unless and um, the contact tracing and testing of contacts begins immediately, well, the quarantine of the bubble begins immediately. And um, yeah, so um, some of that is, um, we've already moved to deal um, medically and in, in health service ways to deal with some of the risks that um, Joe outlined mm -hmm. in this particular epidemic. Um, just to follow up, Christy, Joe, how are, how are Māori communities involved in your rangahau and your research? Um, we're partnered with um, Lance O'Sullivan's um, My Health and also with the, um, Anna Rolston in Taronga. So we're working with those two teams to develop and to um, this closer to patient point of care. So we're working closely with those two communities. Okay, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Can, can I add something before of we go? Course. Absolutely. And, and that is... Um, you know that for Māori, we we uh, have a great experience with pandemics, mm -hmm. and we know through things like tapu and noa yeah. how we have to manage that. We do have to manage things actively. Mm -hmm. We know how to have restrictions, mm -hmm. and you've seen we've already started. You know, we started early in the COVID story with restrictions, with changing our tikanga and our koa. Mm -hmm and putting restrictions on our marae, putting restrictions around our kaumatua. We know uh, about managing those restrictions and we know about strict hygiene with tapu and noa. Mm -hmm. So um, while at the same time still working with whanaungatanga and relationality, I think we know and we need to base a lot of our action on knowing, that, on knowing what we know and knowing how our um, 
our ways, our tikuna tells us how to manage tapua noa and they will, those basics will stand us in good stead in a time like this. Yeah. Yes. Ah, tēnā kōrua. Thank you so much for coming on this episode of Te Pūtahi. I've learned a lot about balancing our tests and also a little bit about asymptomatic testing. It's exciting to hear some of the research coming out and also to consider the views of Hokainga and our communities as we move forward with Aotearoa's COVID-19 testing response. Like if you have a whakatoki to share to wrap up oh. our show, please share it with us now and our listeners, viewers. Mm. Well, um, I'd like to uh, have use a... Um, uh, an English whakatauki, well, uh, a, a Māori, Māori wisdom in English. And um, I, I've been a little concerned that during the COVID thing uh, that we, the government went pretty quickly into one size fits all again and sort of forgot uh, the treaty relationship. And, um, and I was a bit disappointed in how we don't have uh, a, the visual presence, the leadership presence of Māori um, that and we've had to do quite a lot for ourselves as Māori communities and I just want to be reminded of the words of um, Moana Jackson who said treaty partners don't consult they negotiate so that's my whakatauki for today okay. Kia ora. thank you so much that was wonderful and thank you again Kōrua thank you Tui uh, thank you to our viewers and our listeners on Iwi Radio we'll tune in again next time Tēnā rā koutou katoa. Ngā mihi. Mm-hmm.